Waking up in a dark room, not knowing where you are, not able to move marks the beginning of an incredible journey of healing, faith, and purpose. In 2007, a quote-unquote fatal car accident had multiple medics pronouncing Lindsay Vertner dead. Through this, Lindsay has acquired a rare outlook on life that she shares with us inside of today's episode. Her mission is to teach women around the world how to create their first-class life, life full of purpose, fulfillment, and happiness. I cannot wait for you to hear this conversation, but before we get into it, take a deep breath in, let it out, and now enjoy this tremendous vibe. All righty, we are here with another episode of the Tremendous Vibe podcast with Sid Scott. And today I am super excited to sit down with Lindsay Vertner. And Lindsay and I are going to have a conversation around mindset, breakthroughs, overcoming obstacles, and you know what that really looks like for you. Now, Lindsay, I know is going to have some very interesting insights and perspectives to share on this topic. So, with that being said, Lindsay, why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Sweet. Well, first, thank you for having me on your amazing podcast. I am absolutely delighted to be here. And about myself, I really just had to jump right in and take it back to 2007. Is that all right with you? That's all right with me. Awesome. Awesome. So in May of 2007, I found myself waking up in a completely dark room. I had no clue where I was. The only thing that I could see was the moonlight shining through a window, a window that I knew was not mine. And so I went to move and I couldn't move. I went to call out and I couldn't speak. And so I began to panic like... Because what else do you do in a moment like that? I can't move, can't speak, can't see, have no clue where I'm at. That's the only thing that I could do. And I panicked so much that I exhausted myself out to the point where I passed out. And so the next morning I wake up and I'm thinking to myself like, man, that was the craziest nightmare. It felt so real. <laughs> and I slowly started to realize that I still didn't know where I was, still couldn't see, still couldn't talk, and still couldn't move. The only thing that had changed was now the sunlight was shining through that same window that I knew wasn't mine. However, before I could panic again, a lady walks over to me and she starts asking me questions. And she's like, why, hello, can you tell me your name? Do you know what date it is? And I'm thinking like, my name is Lindsay and I'm looking at this woman like she's crazy. <laughs> but in reality, the only thing that came out of my mouth was, because uh, there was a tube going down my throat, keeping me alive. So to fast forward, this lady fills me in on what had incurred a tire week earlier on May 13, 2007, the car I was driving flipped multiple times like if it was doing backflips before going off the opposite side of the highway and landing upside down. I was cut from the car and pronounced brain dead immediately upon the scene. I was lifeline by helicopter to a trauma hospital where again, uh, new medics pronounced me brain dead upon arrival, but God had other plans for my life. 
because despite being pronounced brain dead on multiple occasions, they proceeded to do emergency surgeries anyway. And they didn't expect me to make it through the night. They didn't expect me to make it through the next day. I was on life support. And to fast forward, I woke up from being told, well, one minute I was driving down the highway from visiting my mother (laughs) on Mother's Day. And then I wake up to being told that not only was I brain dead, but I was also paralyzed. So just imagine going about your business and then completely having your life changed around to brain dead and paralyzed amongst all the other injuries. And in that moment, it's really that recovery process that led me to what I do today as a peak potential strategist and speaker. And it actually was the purpose in my pain. And so I'm, I'm glad to be on this podcast with you because there's definitely been some obstacles there. And I, I've lived my experience and everything that I share with you today, I've truly lived and helped my clients work through to get their own results as well. Wow. Amazing. 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 There's like so much there that I just don't even like know where to start. I think the first thing that I'm really curious about is like, that is like a, that's a really traumatic experience. Like that goes without saying. And you said that like, you were just going to visit your mom on Mother's Day. So I'm kind of curious, like, you know, what does that look like for you every Mother's Day? Is this something that you still kind of like deal with in a sense, like right around that time? That was (laughs) a day she'll never forget because How ironic she could have lost the only daughter that she had on Mother's Day because I had surprised her for the weekend. So she didn't think I was coming home for the weekend because I was an undergrad at the time and I was going to be taking summer classes. And so I went home that Friday. I had surprised an entire Mother's Day surprise party with all her friends and their daughters. (laughs) And we went to a Mother's Day banquet on Saturday. And then on that Sunday was actual Mother's Day and we went to church service. I kissed her goodbye and I hit the highway to head home, which was a little less than three hours away at the time. And she doesn't hear from me. She's calling my then boyfriend, who is now my husband. She's calling him to see, hey, Lindsay ever make it back? She didn't call me. And he is like, no, I thought she was staying the night there. I hadn't heard from her. So then that starts the panic. Nobody had heard from me. And although my rec was in the afternoon, nobody was contacted until late, late that next night, that morning. Um, So from Sunday afternoon till late Sunday night, early Monday morning, because I was in my my husband's car, which had Georgia plates. I was a college student, (laughs) so my my license didn't match my address, and it was just a whole mess. They didn't know who to contact. But for her, it's, it's a celebration. For me, it's a celebration because... I mean, I'm still here. So there's nothing to, to fret about because we're, we're focused on the positive and celebrating that I'm still here. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, it gets even, there's even more to that story. Like, of course, come to find out. And I know like a lot of times when traumatic things happen to us, the memories of that are kind of like stored in our bodies even. So I'd really love to hear more about how, that time of year and that situation turned into something that is celebration, as you put it. 
Yes. So it's so crazy that you say the memories of those traumas, because for me, the trauma wasn't in what had happened in itself. The trauma was in the recovery process afterwards, because my brain was doing what it does and it was protecting me. And so I literally have no recollection to this day from that Sunday afternoon. I remember getting lunch and eating in the car and jamming out to music on the highway. And then it's a, literally a black, <laughs> a black blocks all the way until I woke up in the middle of the night and had no clue where I was. And so sometimes I wonder what it was like. And then I accept that my brain is protecting me from the trauma that I experienced and went through. So it definitely is a celebration because I don't have those memories to replay in my head and run back through nightmares. Um, I did have experiences, of course, when I first got back into cars and first started driving again and having just that random jumpiness and not really knowing when I would be tense. Because again, I, I don't remember the wreck itself, so I don't know how that occurred. But I noticed little moments throughout my where I was a little more anxious or a little more tense. And one thing I didn't mention was that the car was actually upside down in a ditch. So there was a, a little bit of water because um, it was on the roof. So my head <laughs> would have been in that, that water part. And I didn't recognize this until later, but for a while, whenever I would go swimming after the wreck had happened, I didn't want to go underwater. <laughs> it had popped up unexpectedly in ways that I never would have guessed. Like most of the times when we go through um, an experience like a car wreck, we expect for there to be physical therapy and, you know, residual physical pain, but it really was the mental and emotional aspect of it that took its biggest toll on me. Like, yes, my body went through an entire process all in of its own, but it was that part, the emotional and mental piece that was the most significant. And so one thing that stood out the most was my inner limiting beliefs. And we all have them. And some of us have more, some of us have less, but they are a result of the things that we've been through in our lives. And so what this wreck brought up was that belief of I'm not good enough. And what had happened was after the wreck, because I recovered in, in record timing, I mentioned earlier that the medical professionals didn't expect me to make it through the next night nor the next day and had pronounced me brain dead initially on multiple occasions. And so I was already breaking their expectations just in that first week alone. And then I walked out of the hospital in exactly one month's time. So from brain dead and paralyzed to walking out of the hospital, that was a whole nother shock right there. And so those pieces we expect. But then what happened afterwards was that people were calling me Miracle Woman and they were calling me a walking miracle. Those are direct names that people around the world were calling me. And there's an article that I can picture very vividly where the headline was Miracle on the Highway, Woman Believed Dead is Now Alive in Indianapolis Hospital. And so <laughs> it was everywhere, like miracle, miracle, miracle. And so when people would talk to me afterwards, I felt like they would have this energy where they were expecting this grandiose time just from being in my presence. And okay, <laughs> let me be careful when I say this next part. You know how 
when people were around Jesus, they just knew like miracles were happening, just being in his presence, touching the hem of his coat. So I am not by any means comparing myself to Jesus, Lord, no. (laughs) But that was just the energy that I got when people were around, like, oh my gosh, she's come overcome all of these things and something magical is going to happen just talking with her and things like that. And so I didn't feel good enough to be that person because to me, I was still Lindsay. And ironically, my faith did not drastically change from what it was before the work because I was already a believer. My heart was with Christ already. So after the wreck, like it was another day for me as far as my spirituality goes. So that made me feel like a fraud at the same time, because here these people are calling me a miracle woman and walking miracle and and expecting these great things. (laughs) And I still feel the same. Like I didn't turn into mother Teresa after the wreck or anything like that. And so it brought up those feelings of not being good enough. And that was the biggest struggle for me because I didn't recognize it until that moment, but it was something that I started during my childhood. And we all have these experiences that can be a reflection of our childhood. And for me, that started with having an absent father, which started that inner limiting belief of not being good enough. My mother was amazing. She was great, but my father was still absent 95% of the time. And it did not help that I watched him raise my stepsister. So then that only added another layer of, well, why can you raise her on a regular day-to-day basis, but you can't see me and raise me on a regular day-to-day basis? So again, I didn't feel good enough, which started that perfectionism, which started that people-pleasing, which started that I have to be good at everything because what I was telling my subconscious is, if I'm good at this, then I'm good enough to be his daughter. If these people like me, look, all these people love me. (laughs) They like me. Then I'm good enough to be his daughter. Again, I'm not telling myself that directly, but that's what my subconscious is picking up and believing. And I carry that throughout my life only to enter into an abusive relationship as a teenager. And all these things I thought that I healed only boiled over to something much, much bigger whenever I had to recover from the wreck. And I know I just said a lot. So. <laughs> wow. I love that. It's like you said, you know, all these things that I thought that I had dealt with, like not only had I not dealt with them, but I'm like being forced to reckon with them at this point. And I find a lot of times that happens to all of us when we, when we think we've dealt with something or we think that we're in the clear, like that is not in alignment with with what we're supposed to be doing. And at some point we will be forced to reckon with it. You know, I think that's something that we can all, that that resonates with all of us. So I'm curious then at that point, I know you said that there, there, it was just another day for you. So I'm sure you didn't have any doubts as to like, you know, why would this happen to me? But I'm curious at that point, like, how did you come to find your unique purpose inside of that? Yes, I actually did have some doubts as far as why me? <laughs> mm. Why did why did I go through this? And that actually was the result of because there were some other people in my life that had passed away, some close, some not so close, but people that I knew of 
that had passed away from less significant injuries or less significant traumas, so to speak. And so I kind of had that survivor's guilt, even though their situation had absolutely nothing to do with me, just seeing their families, knowing that they had prayed for me, knowing that they had prayed for their loved one. And then I could only imagine like, well, Lindsay went through this whole thing and here she is still breathing. And this person like barely had this happen and they're gone. And I'm sure they weren't thinking that, but in my head, <laughs> that's what I'm feeling like. They're thinking like, why does she still get to be here? And, and my person doesn't. <laughs> so I did have those doubts, like why me? What is the bigger purpose in all of this? And it wasn't until I changed my thought process and truly mastered my mindset where I changed that why me into why not me. And once I made that switch, then it started to become more clear about where the purpose was from my pain. So not only did I have to be willing to identify the purpose in my pain, but I also had to be willing to give my pain permission to evolve into something greater which is a, a big step that a lot of people miss because we sit in that pain and we wallow in it and we throw these pity parties <laughs> and we play the victim and we say, woe is me, but you have to make the active and intentional choice to say, okay, pain, I feel you. Now I'm going to do something with you. And that's what I had to do. And once I did that, I started to recognize how many other women had those exact same feelings of of not being good enough for whatever reason in their life. They didn't necessarily go through a wreck like I did, but they've had their own experiences that they've had to struggle with or overcome. They've had their own traumas that they've had to deal with. Maybe it was an absent father or an abusive relationship or a neglect or an abandonment or whatever their issue was. Maybe their parents were divorced. I don't know. <laughs> But we've all had those feelings of not being good enough. And so as I recovered in my process and I began to study more, I actually went back to school for my master's in professional counseling and coaching. And I started working with people more intentionally because I've always kind of been that person where people would come to me with things like their secrets and, hey, I need your advice on this. And I really didn't understand why. I just thought, hey, I'm a people person. Everybody likes me. <laughs> they tell me all their stuff. And so again, it wasn't until this moment that I realized there was a bigger purpose in that all along. And I started to help some people around me. And I noticed that whenever they followed the suggestions that we would talk about in our discussions, their life would literally change. And so then it clicked a little bit more and it was like, oh, okay, God, I see what you're doing here. <laughs> it just took me a little while to catch up. And so I realized that my purpose was empowering other women to live their first class life full of purpose, fulfillment, and happiness, no matter what obstacles you have in front of you or you were faced with in your past. You have the ability to, to create the life that you truly desire. Oh, I love it. That's like so, so incredible. And another thing that you said is like, yes, you have the ability to create the life that you desire. Not only that, but like the most power and ability is oftentimes found inside 
of the pain inside of the doubts inside of the limiting beliefs on the other side is everything that you desire and you know the fact that you have everything you need if you don't quite have all the ability you know exactly where to go once you start asking yourself better questions but asking yourself better questions is just the beginning I would say for, for me personally so what can you say, you know, in terms of how to deal with the gap? Because there's a slight gap, I'm sure, that comes up when it's like, why me? To why not me? To, okay, like, why not me? To like, why not me? <laughs> to like, okay, if why not me, then this action, and then this action. So can you, can you kind of speak to that gap a little bit as we start asking those better questions? Yes. Yes. So first is knowing that we have to allow ourselves grace because sometimes we don't want to do that. And it's very important that we recognize where we are. It's very important that we, we feel all the emotions that we're going through because there's something called toxic positivity. And I am the first to say, you know, think positive, be happy. I mean, that's my whole brand for Pete's sake, <laughs> but you don't want to take that to a toxic level because there's an extreme version of everything including positivity. And what happens is whenever we're, we're in that state of toxic positivity, then we become robots, we become shells of people. And so it's important that we acknowledge the emotions that we are feeling and take some time to understand them. And if we need that outside help, as far as a therapist or counselor, we seek that outside help because sometimes the traumas that we've been through are too much on our own. And we need somebody to help sift through that dirt so that we could cultivate it into a rich soil that allows for something to bloom. And so the next piece of that is being intentional and shifting your mindset to say, you know what, I'm not going to be the victim. So for example, whenever I was laying there, the first thing I thought when the nurse was telling me all of those things was one, thank God I'm alive. And then <laughs> I'm a little silly. So the second thing I thought was, thank God I wasn't kidnapped in some psycho's basement. <laughs> I still didn't know where I was, but at least I was safe in the hospital. But overall, it was in that moment that I realized I could either be a victim to my circumstances or be a victor over my obstacles. And I chose the latter because it didn't matter how much crying I was going to do. It didn't matter how depressed I became. I could not change what had already occurred. So seeing as this situation happened, seeing where I am now, seeing what I want for my future, which was to walk again, which was not to have someone else bathe in me, which was not to wait on someone else to bring me food and feed me. Initially, I was on a feeding tube, but then after that, I wanted to be independent and I didn't want to walk around with a cane or with a walker. I didn't want to wheel around in a wheelchair. Little jokey joke, I don't like exercise, so... <laughs> Being in a wheelchair sounds like some strong um, arm exercises for me, but still I was paralyzed. So even at that, that is not what I wanted for my life. So again, I had to look at what had occurred. Can't change that. Where I am now and what I wanted for the future and then holding on to the faith that God had something bigger for my life. It didn't matter what the medical professional said. It was what I believed. And even if you don't believe in God, like it's important that we believe in something outside of ourselves. 
because that's going to help to manage your emotions overall. It's going to help to decrease that overall stress and overwhelm when situations like this come up because we can't control the world around us. We can only control how we respond and react. So I held on to that faith that God kept me here for a reason. And part of that reason did not include me being paralyzed. And so because I held on to that nugget, I clearly set my intentions on, I am going to walk again, period, by any means necessary. So you got to hold on to the faith and then you got to have your intentions. Remember, fuzzy intentions produce fuzzy results. So you have to be crystal clear on what it is that you want. I didn't want to walk with assistance or anything like that. I wanted to walk by myself period. And I also realized that I wasn't truly living at my maximum potential. Like, yes, I was happy. Everything was all hunky-dory, but I wasn't living at my maximum potential. Hence why I love to help women and empower women to learn how to create their first class life where they maximize their potential, because this was a big key part of it. I had to set those intentions, realize what I wanted, and then I had to take action. Keywords, intentions and action put together, create the first class life. (laughs) For my spiritual folks, you know that it's faith without works is dead. And so for everything else in the world, it's intentions and actions makes achieved goals and a desired life. You can't have one without the other. You have to have both of them equally. It starts with the power of our thoughts and then shifting that mindset to know that I am more powerful than the blocks in my life. And it starts with the thoughts. And then you follow that with intentional action. Wow, I love that. And one thing that you said that really stands out to me is the blocks. I find a lot of people when they do set out to create, you know, their first class life or their best life, they set the strong intentions and they intend with those intentions to take the action. But right in the middle is those blocks right in the middle is those, you know, limiting beliefs. So what would you say to anybody who, you know, is just starting out to really start taking those meaningful intentions and and actions, but the limiting beliefs come up? Yes. And so I talk about this in my book, First Class Life. And and that's a, a key step that a lot of people fall back on. First, your intentions have to be crystal clear because they're going to help you in more ways than one. And I'll explain some of those ways now. Like the first thing is that our thoughts are so extremely powerful. Like our brain is the most powerful tool that we have. We have to think about it is constantly running and doing all the things 24 hours a day, every single second. And so think how powerful it needs to be to even be able to do those things. And everything that we think in our mind eventually creates the reality that we live in. There's a saying that the life that you're living now is a result of the thoughts that you had five years ago. So where do you want to be five years from now? You have to be mindful of of the thoughts that you're putting out there. You have to speak life over yourself. So one thing I like to say is that if your friends talk to you the way that you talk to you, would you still be friends with them? And if the answer is no, then you need to shift your thoughts because you are creating that reality for yourself because our thoughts influences our actions and that influences our environment and the reality that we live in. So that first step is creating the vision that you want for your life. 
And then not only do you have to create it down to the detail, but you have to be clear on what it is that you don't want and what you do want. It's important to know what you don't want, but we're not going to focus on that because where your focus goes, your energy flows. And so you are aware of what you don't want, but then you focus on everything that you do want and you believe that you deserve it. You believe that it will happen. Again, that's where that faith comes in, knowing that it'll all where you will achieve whatever that vision is. And what happens is little by little, your, your actions subconsciously change and they start to behave in a way that you are performing actions and engaging with your environment and the people around you in a way that is going to create that life that you have pictured in your mind. So that's where that gap comes in. That first step is that awareness. And then also when your intentions are clear, Whenever you do hit those bumps in the road, whenever you do hit those obstacles, whenever you do have those days that you want to give up and throw in the towel, you're going to think about that vision. You're going to feel that vision. You're going to see that vision in your brain. You're going to think about the emotions that come when you achieve that goal that you are striving for. And you're going to keep going. You're going to say, okay, I'm angry right now. I'm sad right now, but this is what I'm fighting for. And you're going to get up and you're going to try again and you're going to try again. And with that consistent action, eventually, before you know it, you're going to be like, I did it. I did it. <laughs> and then you're going to experience everything that was in that original vision. And that is the moment to truly, truly live for. And I know. And if it's OK to share just a quick story. For me, I had to go to therapy seven days a week from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. So it wasn't enough to just tell myself I wanted to walk again. I knew exactly what I didn't want. I knew exactly how I wanted to walk. And that's what I focused on. I didn't focus on the doctor saying that, oh, we don't know if you'll walk again. It's not looking too positive. I didn't focus on that. I focused on my faith that God had bigger purpose. I focused on me walking in the store. I focused on me driving again. I focused on all the things that I wanted to do, not paralyzed. <laughs> and then whenever I was in therapy, I had all the therapies because not only did I have physical trauma, but I also had brain trauma. And so a big portion of my therapies was physical therapy and shock therapy for the paralysis portion of my trauma. And shock therapy, like I was hooked up to machines and they sent electrical volts through my body. Here's the thing. They didn't know if it would work. <laughs> they started off with small voltage and gradually increased. And it was very painful. But because I knew what I wanted, I put myself through that. Because I knew what I wanted, I got up every day, even when I wanted to sleep in, weekends and holidays included. Because I knew what I wanted, I was willing to do whatever it takes, even if they didn't know if it would work for sure. Sometimes we want these certain plans of actions, but it's not always how it's going to be. Like sometimes we are the ones to create the blueprint for, for whoever comes after us. And so even being mindful of that. <laughs> and then also sometimes it's leaving space for God to create that miracle to happen. Because in the secular world, everything was a done deal. It was already called. And so with my faith and with the intentions and with the actions that left room for God to perform another miracle. But 
I had to make that choice to say, I'm going to do what I need to do to allow that to come to fruition. Everyone needs to just let out a sigh and take all of that in really quickly. <laughs> and, and one thing that I want to make sure that I point out for all of the listeners is it wasn't just taking any action. It wasn't just taking busy action. It was taking consistent action that was in very crystal clear alignment with what you said that you wanted. Exactly. And I think that that's, you know, so important to really hone in on. Awesome. Awesome. There's just so much here, like for for anyone listening. And what I would like to do at this point is ask you, you know, two more questions uh, as we are nearing into the new year and the close of a crazy year, I would love to hear from you. What's your word or words to sum up 2020 for you? To sum up 2020 for me, it would have to be, this is a good one. I've been thinking about my my future word <laughs> for 2021 and, and not so much the password for 2020. So I would say the word would have to be choice. And I know that sounds a little funny, but it was just a reminder that we have a choice to live the life that we want to live. It only further ingrained all the things that I coach and speak about because I sat here and I watched the world. So many people going into chaos, so many people going into panic and depression and anxiety. And then there were the other half of people that were thriving and flourishing. And so I just sat back and I watched and I was like, what's the difference between these people and these people? And it wasn't that I was oblivious to what was going on in the economy or anything like that, but it was truly, there's a a key difference between those who are okay in this pandemic versus those that are having a breakdown. And I think that partly comes with in connecting with yourself and that outside source, and then asking yourself, what can I control? Because we can't control what's going on with politics. We can't control what's going on with COVID and cancellations and all of those things. And so when we worry about that and get in a frenzy over something we can't control, we are increasing our stress and increasing our overwhelm and everything that comes with that. And that starts to overflow to our physical health and we become ill. We become more susceptible to viruses and bacteria because we aren't taking care of our mental and emotional health. And so if I can't control it, then what is the point in me worrying about it? And so that was a a key question. Anytime I found myself starting to worry about something is, can I control what I'm worried about? If the answer was no, then I released that from my mind, because what's the point? And if the answer was yes, then that means that there was an action that I had to take to change that circumstance. And so I chose to focus on what I could control and pray about everything else. (laughs) I focused on what I could control. And so again, that goes back to that choice. You have a choice to determine what it is that you focus on and not forgetting that where your focus goes, your energy flows and you attract more of that into your life. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. And and it's so important. Like we have to remind ourselves like, Hey, 
we have a choice. And if you choose to succumb to, you know, all the limiting beliefs, all the chaos, all the frenzy, like you end up having less choices. So it's really important to just stop and decide like, hey, I have a choice in how I'm going to react to this. I have a choice in what I'm going to do next as a result. Yes. So with that being said, what's your word for 2021? Elevation. That's what keeps popping up is just elevation, 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 not only for myself, but client or a friend, a family member, whether it's somebody in the audience for a speaking engagement. Like if you are connected to me, you are going to be elevated to some extent in your life, whether it's personal or professional elevation, not only for me, but for every single person connected to me. That is my goal. That is that's what it's looking like. That's what I'm creating. <laughs> that's what I am envisioning for my 2021. And that's what I believe. And of course, that's what my actions will follow. Awesome. I love that. So in order to connect and tap into that, where's the best place for us to find you and follow you and see what you got going on? So you can find me at liveafirstclasslife.com. And Lindsay Vertner across all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram. I'm in the clubhouse. Hey, hey. <laughs> Twitter. I have a YouTube channel. As long as you just type my first and last name, Lindsay Vertner, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-V as in Victor, E-R-T-N-E-R, you can find me. And I actually have a free gift for the listeners. What? And so, yes, yes. That free gift, I call it the red light, green light action plan guide. And I call it that because I essentially walk you through things that you need to stop doing, <laughs> slow down and think about, and then when you need to go and take action. And so it's literally going to help you set up your goals and the things that you want to achieve in a way that you will take action in an effective manner, because sometimes we make these plans and then we don't do anything with them. And so you don't wanna just create the action plan, but you wanna create it in a way that you're actually gonna follow through with the action plan. And so the red light, green light action plan guide is yours complimentary and you can download it at bit.ly forward slash take action download, bit.ly forward slash take action download all lowercase awesome awesome and i'll be sure to include all those links in the episode description in case you know there's anyone that didn't catch that i'm super excited about that i think that's going to be super helpful especially uh looking at you know walking into a new year so i just want to thank you so much for for coming on and for sharing that and sharing your stories i i really really appreciate it Thank you for having me. It's been my pleasure.